and twos. Looks to go again, goes a lot straighter. Does Angela Reeks and finds the boundary. Her strength, which is straight, is a good piece of batting. It is a very warm welcome to the Cricket Library Weekly. My name is Matt Ellis and joining me as always, my co-host and good friend Robbie McKinlay, a very warm welcome to you. Very warm welcome back to you, Matt. And on a day that is very special for your family, just for our loyal listeners, congratulations on 14 years of marriage to you and Erin and the whole family. Well done, mate. Oh, thanks so much, mate. A, a, a few celebrations. We actually had the sparklers out. My kids got oh. the sparklers out tonight after dinner and a bit of um, oh. bit of celebration in the house. A, a, a really happy time. It's always good to notch up a milestone. Hopefully hopefully I can keep nicking and nudging my way um, and following <laughs> the footsteps of my parents. They, they, they notched their half century in August this year, so... Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, plenty to aspire to. and Well, um, a, well Matt, yeah. I'm going to just let you know on this. I know you, you love your stats and you've, you've got me covered, but I, I've had some my people at my cricket library dig in. And just on your big day of your 14th wedding anniversary, I just want to let you know that it was also January the 28th was a very special day for one David Clarence Boone. Oh, who, Booney. Who would you believe in 1989 against the West Indies? Now, 1989, was that yeah. M.A. Taylor's debut for Australia, that game? Well, he made, Booney made a century against the West Indies at the SCG on this day in 1989. He made 149. Two years later, against England at the Adelaide Oval, he makes 121. Oh, that gee. could have something to do with Mark Wars' do too. I'm not sure. Hmm. Against that's, England? That's around about that time, yes. Against England, 1991. Yep, I'm... yep. No, that's and spot then, on. And then, next year, against India, also at Adelaide, he makes 135. So, in three out of four years, on January 28th, David Clarence Boone makes a century. Do you reckon, do you reckon Booney was big on New Year's resolutions? And he's like, I'm, I'm going to ton up before the end of January here, and he just yeah, it, it, it could have been. I, I, I reckon there's a few things Booney didn't give away <laughs> that, that that can be popular on Christmas Day as a New Year's resolution. But yeah, no, there you go. So he, out of his 21 Test centuries, three of them come on the 28th of January, which is a very special day for the Ellis family. So there you go. That's um, that, the stat that matters from um, RB McKinley. Well, that's. Uh, I'd be interested to know if there are other players that had particular days where they they outperformed themselves. Oh, I know DG Bradman's probably got lots of them, but oh, he would have to have had. I reckon he's made a hundred on the twenty eighth of January. He nearly would have to, wouldn't he? Yeah, I, I he made a. Um, there was actually a tweet out from the cricket library today with a, a Bradman study. He did make some runs in a shield game against Victoria on the twenty eighth of January, so. Runs on 28 Jan, lock Bradman in. Lock, someone suggested uh, via the social networks that maybe the Cricket Library should announce days when Bradman didn't 
make runs because <laughs> that, that'd be a, that'd be more of a rarity. Now, Robbie, we're going to kick straight into our special guest here. You, you were fortunate earlier this evening to catch up with Angela Reeks, the captain of the Abode Hotels ACT Medias. We we love to stay at the Abode as well, don't we, Robbie? Yes, when we're down in camp, we do. Uh, Woden yep. usually is where we go, um, but we're not here. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not here to uh, talk about what we do when we're in Canberra. We, we want to hear about what's happening in the preparations for the upcoming WNCL season. Some big games coming up for the Abode Hotels ACT Medias. So let's have a listen now to your chat with Angela Reeks for the Cricket Library Weekly. We at the Cricket Library Weekly are very excited to have one of Australia's most resilient cricketers who is about to start her 12th season of WNCL cricket and as captain of the ACT Meteors after a return season with the Sydney Sixers and the Rebel WBBL 06. It's a very warm welcome to Ange Reeks. Welcome to the Cricket Library Weekly, Ange. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Robbie. Oh, it's great to um, great to get back and have a chat with you. I think last time you and I were... Um, chatting away we were doing a uh, WBBL game in 05 season at Marnica Oval that was good fun wasn't it yeah beautiful camera nice and sunny back then unfortunately today there's a bit of rain around which isn't a good stand for Saturday but things crossed. yeah we we're just looking I was actually looking at the weather forecast earlier and uh, yeah Saturday has been around but I think tomorrow might be the worst of it but hopefully we'll get through it but Hey, you'd be um must be great to have that opportunity back to be playing cricket this season after the injury plague nineteen twenty season. You did an snapped an Achilles tendon just before the season started. How has rehab gone? Yeah, I guess oh, it's been such a long time, and I think it's almost two years since I've played my um, last WNCL game. So, I mean, if I walked off the field and you told me that two years ago, I probably would have said, uh, yeah, that might be me. But um. You know, I, I sort of had the milestone of just doing a rehab period of about nine months and then being back on the park. And due to COVID, that obviously hasn't happened. So I'm chomping yeah. at the bit to get back and actually just play some cricket. How's the pre-season been uh, with the Meteors? It's been really good. We um, have had a few changes within our setup and our support staff are absolutely awesome. We're really well resourced down here and probably the best we've ever had um, in terms of resourcing. And you can definitely see that coming through some of the performances within our trial matches and uh, how some of our girls handle themselves during the WBBL. So I'm really excited and um, hopefully we can just all put it together on the park. I guess you'd be looking forward to the, that sort of longer version of the game. It, things happen so quick and you can come in. When you come into bat or bowl, you're under pressure straight away. But um, I reckon that you and the guys would be looking pretty keen to just sort of get back into that longer format. Yeah, definitely. And we've got such a um, bit of depth within our list now, which makes it really exciting. So, you know, there's so many bowlers to pick from. And I guess unlike the WBBL, um, they're going to be bottling more than four overs. So, yeah, it's just a nice sort of, for me, I like how um, well, less energetic it is in a way where like, there's like obviously all the, the lights and the glamour of the WBBL. This sort of brings back the, you know, as a kid playing cricket, you just love the game itself. So I really like the history of the format. Bit more tranquil. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hey, um, before we start just talking a little bit more cricket, I did mention a little bit earlier that um, we did share a commentary box at Monica. How did you enjoy your uh, role um, as a you know as doing special comments in the media? Because feedback was very good that I got. Is that something you might look at further down the track when the playing career is done? 
Yeah, I mean, I really enjoy talking about cricket, watching cricket and all that sort of stuff. But I guess it's getting a lot more competitive. There's so many talented females around that are doing it now. Like you've got your Ishigua, Lisa Stalaker, Julia Price, Mel Jones, and then even that younger generation like Kirsten Beans, um, Elise Lani. So I think it'll become very competitive um, to be able to do something like that. But definitely, I, I absolutely love doing it. Uh, I just guess i got to get my hands dirty a bit more and try a bit more so I can learn a bit more about it. Yeah, and I, I guess the big thing about you mentioned some of those names that it does offer another um, opportunity for um, cricketers when they do finish the playing game. We've seen it in the male men's game for so long that they they come into the media in the commentary box. It it must be pretty exciting um, for you guys to have that opportunity that's being presented. Yeah, definitely, and I love listening to a lot of the past players in the box because. I guess from playing, they get that real gut feel about the game and they can kind of see what might happen and it just really makes it a lot more intriguing to watch as well. So um, that's the part I love about cricket is trying to guess what's going to happen next. And, yeah, if that opportunity came up, that'd be really cool. I'd love to do a bit more of it. I think that opportunity hopefully will come up for you, Ange. Now, uh, look, before we look ahead to the WNCL, um, let's look back at WBBL 06 season and it continues to be a massive success with the the. TV ratings going through the roof and the quality of the cricket is just amazing. Yeah, it was such an awesome competition to be a part of this year. Like, the standard, it has to be one of the best competitions in the world. Like, I think some of those games, you could even argue that they're being played at a higher standard than some of the international cricket games because the teams are just so strong with, like, I think maybe up to six international players per team. Um, and then our domestic players, because of the way we're resourced in Australia, they're just getting better and better. And it's, yeah, those games were won within five and ten runs. And I know um, we were unlucky. I think we needed one more win just to make the finals. And that's just how close the actual competition was for the whole year. And what about the Sixers, Ange? Um, it was a, a bit of an up and down season. Your best was, I think, as good as anyone else in the competition. But there was probably the... the, the um, when you were down, it it was sort of a it it, it made the difference then, didn't it? it? It didn't keep you in games for long enough. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's fair to say the whole team would have said it was quite a frustrating season. We got off to a really good start, and from what I know, that also happened the year beforehand. Um, and then it was sort of like we just couldn't shake it by the back end of the season. And I guess the way the competition was formatted as well, uh, just that eight-week period, eight period in a bubble, um, once you lost a bit of momentum, it was really hard to gain again. And I think for the teams at the start of the competition who didn't really start with any momentum and they came back at the back end, um, that really worked in their favour and we weren't in that position, unfortunately. So, yeah, a little bit frustrating. But I think in amongst that, you got to remember that, like our captain, Elise Perry, was coming back but earlier that year, her hamstring wasn't attached to yeah. her body. So um, one of our key players has suffered a major injury and then we lost Ash Gardner to concussion, which was frustrating for her as well because it's one of those ones, an injury you can't really see and, you know, mm. you want her playing and she's such a key, like those two players, that's eight overs of our bowling and a lot of runs. So when that sort of stuff happens in T20 cricket, it's really hard to um, come back from that. And I guess the way the stars were going too, it looked like one of your old teams were a big chance to take it out. Did you ever have those thoughts, oh, no, if they win it, I'm not there? <laughs> well, it was awesome to see them succeed. Obviously, when I was a part of um, the stars team, uh, we didn't have that much success. And it was really awesome to see some of those girls that had worked really hard over the last three years to like finally 
get paid some dividends from all of their hard work. And unfortunately, um, they just didn't get it over the line at the end. But I really love that match and how the Thunder played as a team and they got the job done as a team because T20 cricket can be won with one performance quite easily all the time. And it was just really cool to see how the Thunder put together their list and everyone played their role that night. And, yeah, what a victory for them. Yeah, it's pretty, the Thunder Nation, we're pretty excited about that. All right, well, let's a uh, WNCL coming up. Uh, as we mentioned, Saturday, weather permitting, you're up against the Queensland Fire. Um, how do you think the Meteors might tick along this year, Ange? Yeah, it's really exciting. I guess it is my first year as captain, so I'm probably thinking about the squad differently, whereas before I kind of just got ready and played. And uh, I just feel like, a lot of faith in our group with the depth that we've managed to achieve this year. So we have had such a selection headache trying to come up with the team that we want to play. But I think that's the best position you want to be in coming up to, you know, round one of the season, just trying to figure out, you know, everyone's good enough to be playing. It's just how you put it together. So, uh, yeah, I think we're looking positive at the moment. Um, we just hope that this rain stays away. And Ange, looking at your fixture, um, outside of a, I think a game in Melbourne and a trip over to Perth, uh, I think there's six matches in, in the ACT in Canberra. I would imagine you'd be hoping to take real advantage of that. <laughs> I think that's the most home games I've actually played in the 12 <laughs> um, years of WSL in Canberra, so that's awesome. But uh, I'm not actually too sure how it plays out, whether if the borders do open, we are swapping, you know, some rounds for early on in the season or not but definitely I'm so pumped I've been training at Philip Oval for a very long time now and I'm <laughs> really really keen to play some cricket on it <laughs> yeah I guess it, and Andrew like you've been a you've been a seasoned campaigner um I guess you don't you can't afford to look too far ahead and be distracted by what what might happen it's just a matter of taking it it's the old story is it takes sort of one game at a time and it's almost one day at a time in, in the current environment yeah, 100%. I guess we've tried to be really flexible and adaptable, and I think the girls are tearing their hair out hearing those words. But the great thing about our group is we really just have kicked on, and we've been super lucky to not really know what COVID's about in Canberra. It hasn't really touched Canberra too much, so we haven't really been affected a whole lot except for not being able to travel for our first round and get to some trial matches and things like that. So we're definitely in a bit of better space than sort of what Victoria has gone through. And hopefully that pays some dividends coming into the start of the season. Hey, Angie, if I was to ask you for one or two of the Meteors, who you think might be in for a big season, who might they be? I think um, Katie Mack's always been one of our leading run scorers and for multiple years now. And she's looking really good in the net. So I would love to see her kick on with some consistent runs this year and hopefully a couple of big scores. I think she's definitely capable of it and she's worked really hard um, on her game to take it to a new level um, as well, like tactically and strategically. So I'm excited to see her get out there. Um, and I think uh, it'll also be really good to see Erin uh, Osborne um, now that she's got the pressure of captain taking off her and she can just play freely. Um, I think she's such a talented player and, she offers so much for our group. So I think, yeah, those two, um, two of our senior players could really help us win some games of cricket. Now, before we let you go, Ange, um, what about outside of cricketing life? What's working life looking like at the moment for Ange? 
Oh, if my employees are listening to this, I'm so sorry. Um, it's been really difficult over this COVID period with all our schedule changes and um, moving from here to there and training different days and whatnot. So I'm so, so, so lucky that they've been so understanding um, and especially my workmates that have just sort of taken on most of the slack for me. Um, I work in a, um, a physio clinic as an exercise physiologist. So that's based in Canberra and it has been pretty busy because a lot of people working from home have got a bit more time to pay attention to their bodies. Um, but I absolutely love it. And yeah, I just, I'm very, very lucky to, <laughs> in this um, time at the moment with being a part-time cricketer, I still have a really supportive worker, a work uh, employer. Oh, that's fantastic. All right, Ange. Well, that's been great having you on the Cricket Library Weekly. We wish you all the best for the upcoming season. May the meteors go well. They're, um, I think they're very well supported, particularly around southern New South Wales too. It's a great base um, for um, young cricketers to aspire to get there and play at at a high level. And may there be many wins for the Meteors and good luck as your role as captain. Thanks, Robbie. And thanks for having me on board today. Pleasure. There we go. Ant Riggs joining us on the Cricket Library Weekly. A massive thanks to Ange Reeks for joining us on the Cricket Library Weekly and best wishes to her wielding her Southern Cross Cricket bat on the weekend in the opening round of WNCL matches. Looking forward to seeing how she leads that group. Great leader and a great opportunity for the Meteors to get their season off to a good start. And Robbie, I've been on annual leave today and i've yep. had i've had a heck of a lot of missed calls i don't know if it's people ringing about my wedding anniversary what it is um well i noticed on twitter dan bredig from crick info who i follow twi- mm. tweeted yep. something yesterday that mentioned mentioned my name in relation to the australian t20 oh. squad going to new zealand <laughs> is there no, something I- i've missed here <laughs> Something, no, something to the effect of, I think he said something to the effect of um, would be good for them to send Jai Richardson to South Africa. Ellis would be a great option for New Zealand. Right. Mate, I, I saw the same tweet. I can tell you, Nathan T. Ellis, the very um, proficient quick bowler from down Tasmania. Well, he's good. I reckon, it, yeah, in fact, he's probably better than you, mate, and I reckon he's the one under notice. And, don't think there's any risk of trying to stir up an old uh, Peter Taylor, Mark Taylor selection um, <sighs> quarrel that happened back in the late 80s. So, um, Maddie, I know you've hit nine sixes, uh, but um, I think Nathan Ellis is the man that they were referring to, just to pull you back a bit there, mate. Oh, because so I can, actually, yeah. I don't know if Dan Bredick had seen my letter that I wrote to the national selectors seven or eight years ago now, um, did the rounds, and there's a lot of a lot of conversation uh, around my availability. But uh sounds like it's Nathan Ellis he was referring to. But Nathan Ellis actually missed out yeah. on the squad as well, didn't he? It's both Ellis has missed out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe that should be the headline. But uh, a pretty pretty good list of players, uh, both squads. I, yeah. I quite like the look of it. A, a tough, tough conundrum really having to select two sides at the same time, a, a, a test squad, obviously the one – that you want your best players available for. And particularly as discussed at length last week on the Cricket Library Weekly, Robbie, the ICC World Test Championship, that's 
a two nil result Australia needs over there in South Africa. So yeah. it's mission critical that one, but also um, we've had a big bash tournament that we'll talk more about a little bit later in the show as well, where players have been putting putting their names forward and showing their credentials in in the shortest format of the game, or not the the shortest. There's other shorter formats, but uh, the T20 Big Bash uh, has been a real good form guide, I guess, for what we can expect to see over there in the T20s against New Zealand. Yeah, that's right. And going back to that test squad, Matty, the, um, there's quite a few uncapped members been put into that squad. You're obviously outside of um, uh, Alex Carey and Mark Steckety. Um, you've got uh, Sean Abbott, Michael Nisa and Mitch Swepson, who are yet to um, represent at the highest level in test cricket. And, and obviously, um, Kerry's there too as the backup keeper. So, and you just never know, you know, Tim Payne does a finger, and we hope that doesn't happen. It can change. But what I was glad to see is how um, uh, supportive and definite Australian selectors were yeah. about Tim Payne as our leader because he's our best leader we've got at the moment. Absolutely, Robbie. Absolutely is and uh, deserves the opportunity to stay in the side. I mean, his batting alone has been, uh, well, Potentially kept us in the series. That Those runs he scored yep. in Adelaide helped us to win that test match and averaging just over a tick over 40 with the bat. So I, I'm on the Tim Payne train. Uh, if there is a, if there, there is such a train, I've got my tickets on that one. I'm also on the Labashane train as well. So I, I, I go from station to station. But, um, Robbie, let's have a look at that T20 squad. A uh, couple, of, couple of new inclusions in, in the setup there, yeah, one that you really like, because um, our loyal listeners of the Cricket Library Weekly will know that you do have a love and a passion for leg spin. Oh yes, yes, and um, it is great news that uh, nineteen-year-old New South Welshman Tanvir Sanger has been selected in that white ball squad. That's I think a... that's fantastic. Yeah. I really like what he's doing in the um, in, in the BBL, and he still could play a big part in Sydney Thunder perhaps going all the way. So that is great for him. And good too, Matty Wade, um, he gets he, he missed the yes, he missed the test tour uh, squad to South Africa, but he's now vice captain of the team across to New Zealand. So um, that is one of the good things in under that circumstance. But yeah, it's good to see. Always great to see a bit of, um, bit of new blood come into the squad. Uh, Riley Meredith, he's there as well too. Um, Josh Philippi, which is yep. fantastic. Um, actually, just I'll get back to that. That potentially could be a Matt mailbag question. I was pulled up in the street um, in the in Aubrey the other day, and I asked from one of our loyal listeners. They noticed that um, I, my pronunciation is uh, Philippi, yeah. and yours was Matt. If you could just give us your pronunciation. Um, mine's Felipe, but I I don't yeah. know if I'm getting yep. it correct because I I um oh, my neighbours are actually Sixers fans. And uh, they pulled me up on it because they call him Philippi and I call him mm. Felipe. So it might yep. be worth might be worth getting him on for a chat. Well, let, and, let's and if out. I say if I say it's a very warm welcome to Josh Felipe, and I hear doot 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 doot, we'll know we'll know that yeah. I've got it wrong. Well, how about how about we might we might make contact with the Sixers. We um we might make contact with General Manager Jody Hawkins. <laughs> and get confirmation of the correct pronunciation. So yeah. there we go. 
All right, we'll put that on my short list of tasks uh, between now and uh, the next episode of the Cricket Library Weekly. But a, a really exciting young talent, uh, young Felipe, from uh, the Sydney Sixers. Yeah, brilliant, mate. So I think, and he's got a, you know a, a big um, final series ahead of him too. Jai Richardson, another one in the, in oh, the white I ball love squad. Ja Richardson. Yeah, I know, and and I think Matt, there's a lot of people were calling for him to go to that South African tour. I think selectors are just waiting to see that shoulder just get yeah. a little bit better because at the moment he does have some limitations with it. Yeah, has to sometimes you'll bowl the ball back in. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And so we, we like I see I see Jai Richardson as a three format player when fully fit. So do I. He's got the yeah. total package, and I love his batting at the back end for the Scorchers. Correct. He he's a very very handy asset to the Perth Scorchers, and uh, yeah, I think I think all of Australia hoping that he can be fully fit. A, a really bright future for Jai Richardson from WA. Yeah, and, and I chucked Jason Berendorf in there too, the boy from Canberra. Mm. Oh, um, I'm, I'm can we just clarify that? I, I, he did he did yeah. spend time in Canberra, but he is the only uh, professional cricketer in Australia born in the same hospital as me. I think we've had this conversation yeah. before. He's we actually born in Camden, right. but did spend some Camden. time yep. in Canberra, yep. which is yep. quite a distance from Camden. But, yeah, I, that makes me a very big Jason Berendorf fan as well. Yeah, Good, um, good reference to that again. Excellent. <laughs> uh, now, Robbie, um, Big Bash. We need to talk Big Bash in a minute, and we. Um, yeah. I didn't mention at the top of the show. I hope uh, Bill from Hornsby is still listening. Um, Bill from Hornsby sent us a postcard. Um, we need to address that question, and we need to yeah. wrap up uh, and sort of preview what's going to happen in in the Big yep. Bash finals as well. So, unless there's any further thoughts on the T20 squad, I reckon, I reckon we have a quick haiku poem from our resident cricket librarian Matt Fiction, and then get into some mailbag. Perfect. KFC Big Bash. Which team will come out on top? Only five. Teams left. Oh, and doesn't he love his big bash, Matt Fiction? Oh. He just oh. loves it. He, what's he going to do when when the big bash is finished? Probably go well, back to go back to writing his book, I reckon. Oh man, I was watching on Fox the other day. I've just seen what's coming up. We've got England versus India, Australia versus South Africa. Matt Fiction, you are going to have plenty to look at. So oh, that's yeah, I'm great. not sure if you're going to get. Too much done in the library, to be honest. <laughs> He's a bit behind with his cataloging, actually. Um, yep. But that's okay. We love his work and we appreciate him giving some of his library time to the Cricket Library Weekly. And, Robbie, big bash. Um, hasn't it been great? All came down to the 56th game in the tournament uh, for us to find out what the final uh, seeding of teams would be going in in into the finals, and I'm I'm really excited about it. What what a competition! What a finish! And it's still simmering away. We still no closer to really knowing who the 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 winners will be. Uh, what a crazy crazy old day it was. 
on Australia Day, just watching all those three matches unfold. Um, and it, the door was open, wasn't it, when um, the Renegades finished off a disappointing season by knocking over the Hurricanes, and which ended their season pretty much. Yeah. Um, and then there was a lot of excitement around the Stars. Well, they were Their warm-up became almost like a football grand final. They ran out on the MCG there and they were up and about. Then they lost the momentum. They were sent, sent in the bat. And then um, I just really strange tactics from the Stars. It was I thought it was pretty obvious to everyone. Anyone had done their homework just the first 10 overs of that game against the Sixers. The Sixers were playing for one point to yeah. finish on top. The Stars needed that point to then go and win the game because they need to take all four points from the game. So I would I would have thought that Thornis and Maxwell would open because you'd be looking at maximising the most amount of balls that Glenn Maxwell in particular could face. He didn't come into number four. Um, so, you know, I just thought that they lost a bit there, Matty. I know in all the excitement they might have misread that, but there needed to be more urgency. That 10-over target needed to be close, needed to be 100, yeah. not around 72, because the Sixers then, Matt, they came out. Um, they knew for them to finish on top, all they had to do was make 72 because a tie would have been enough. Yeah. And they had 10 wickets at hand and 60 balls to do it. Yeah, so, and even yeah. even though they did lose those two early wickets, uh, they were always well in the frame to see themselves exactly. pass that target. And and well done to them. But an, another thing we should mention too, Robbie, this always happens at the end of a season. We have a look at the ladder and we have a look at the, the final round of matches and what teams should or shouldn't have done. It's a 14-match season for each of the clubs and they'd, yep. they'd be able to look back and say, well... We lost a game here that we should have won. Like there was a game earlier in the season where the Sixers beat the Stars in the final over of the game. Yeah. And Daniel, that's when Daniel Hughes got 96 uh, for the for the men in magenta. And and all throughout the season, there are, are, are times when teams might have been within a whisker of a bash boost point and missed it. And yep. the, the whole bash boost point itself, it, it, we saw it in the the Sydney Thunder v Adelaide Strikers game. Sydney Thunder coasting, none for 70-odd. Cal Ferguson and Usman Khawaja get out in consecutive deliveries. The Thunder yep. not only miss, miss the bash boost point, but they get themselves in a position where it was uh, they, they weren't able to win the game. So the, the different permutations that we've had throughout, it's been magnificent. It's been great theatre, particularly uh, on Australia Day there, with, with all the different uh, options that we had at the start of the day. I think the Heat beating the, the Scorchers was a surprise. Then the Renegades upsetting the Hurricanes was a bit of a surprise. And then the Sixers probably staying true to form and getting the job done and claiming that minor premiership, which gives them a home final. They, they're hosting yeah. down at Monica Oval Saturday night, the qualifier against the Perth Scorchers. Best two teams on paper in the competition for mine, uh, just bearing in mind that I think the Thunder are the best uh, just because of my allegiances. I obviously have strong Your allegiances to the, to the Thunder, but uh, well done to the Sixers and the Scorchers for finishing one and two. But the action starts Friday night, 7.15 at the Gabba. Uh, Brisbane Heat up against the Adelaide Strikers. That will be a cracking contest. Winner of that goes through to play the Thunder on Sunday. Loser of that is eliminated. Then, of course, the winner of the Sixers v Scorchers goes through to the final. The loser moves through to the challenger, which is on Thursday night. Jeez. 
Now, the challenger is uh, a match between the loser of the qualifier, so sixes v scorches. Loser of that goes to the challenger and winner of the knockout, which is Thunder, the, the winner of Heat v Strikers. I'm it's, getting dizzy. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm getting dizzy oh. as well. Oh. But uh, moral of the story is if you finish if you finish three through five, it's elimination all the way through from now. You must uh, you must win. Well that simplifies it a bit, Matt, by putting it that way. That's and if you finish so, if you yeah. finish one two, you you either go straight to the grand final or you get a second bite of the cherry. Uh, so it's all it's all there. And it's exciting, and I think so. Matt, as as a Thunder supporter, mm-hmm. are you telling me that for your Thunder Nation to win, they need to win three matches? They do. So they need to win right. the knockout, the challenger, and then the final. Right. Which is pretty straightforward, really. Um, and that's for anyone outside the top two. You must win three straight games, and if you do that, you'll win the title. Or. Well, if the strikers or the heat are to do it, they'll have to win four because they have to win the eliminator, the knockout, the challenger, then the final. Of course. Yeah, I lost you back there somewhere between the qualifier and the eliminator. Sorry about that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Anyway. That's the beauty uh, of uh, listening to the podcast. You, you know, you've got that little fifth, rewind 15-second button. Click that and you'll eventually work your way through it. Might help us with our uh, download stats because people might need to listen to this section about seven or I eight times so. each. So <laughs> might help us in no, the, quite good. In the podcast good, charts. Great. Just a side note on the podcast charts, um, last week's episode, yeah. number two in Brazil. Wow, back in Brazil. Back in Brazil. So thank you. Uh, uh, this is a massive thanks to all of our listeners in Brazil. We thoroughly appreciate you, you regularly. Uh, ensuring that the Cricket Library podcast is is charting uh, on the official um, yeah. Apple and podcast charts over there. So we do appreciate you. And send us a postcard. This is probably a pretty good segue um, into Matt's mailbag, do you think, Robbie? Yeah, no, I believe, too, um, second in Brazil, we're a, a close shave from top spot from all reports. So we're not far <laughs> off it. We are very close indeed to that number one ranking in Brazil. And... I don't know how we're ranking in Hornsby, but today's postcard has come from Hornsby. Yep. Uh, Hornsby sort of, I think the, um, I actually used to teach at Hornsby. Where is it? Well, I used to teach at Hornsby South Primary School. Um, many, oh, you should know it. <laughs> ma- many moons ago. Uh, it's, it, it, if you're familiar with Sydney, it's up the northern end of uh, the North Shore. Sort of you, the, the, oh, yeah. the northern end is of the North Shore. Is it a leafy type stuff? Yeah, very that. leafy. Um, okay. Hornsby Heights probably more leafy than Hornsby proper, yeah. um, but uh, a wonderful part of the world. And, and Bill from Hornsby is written in. I just need to get it here, yep. Robbie. Um, uh, dear, dear Madam Robbie, what went wrong? Oh, gee, this isn't sounding good. Um, oh, no. Oh, no. Is it, what, what, what went wrong for the stars? Hurricanes and Renegades, and what do these three teams that miss the finals need to do to make the finals next year? Yep. Would love to hear your thoughts. Keep up the great work with the podcast. Loving Matt Fiction's haiku poems. Oh, oh, he's butted us up there at the end. <laughs> That's good. And fiction gets a rap. <laughs> yeah, fiction gets a rap. But um, so, so what? 
where do we start here? I, I want to start with the renegades because yeah. I'm a right. I'm kind of a glass half full kind of person as a general rule. Mm-hmm. I I think if I'm at the renegades, I'm actually pretty comfortable with how things are sitting. In that, on the bottom of the ladder. In that, <laughs> in that, when we did our season preview, we thought this would be a bit of a a rebuild year for the Renegades. You almost tipped this, didn't you? And I feel like the the Jake Fraser McGurks, the Mackenzie Harveys, the Sam Harpers, uh, the Peter Hatzaglus are all going to get better. They're yeah, going to be they're, they're, they're going to be much better players next year, and I think that we're seeing signs of um, high high quality skill and talent from them already. Uh, the execution hasn't always been there uh, as consistently uh, throughout the season, but the fact that they finished their season on, on a positive, yep. they beat the Melbourne Stars and they they beat the Hobart Hurricanes, albeit those teams didn't qualify uh, for the finals. I, I just feel like if a few things go their way, if if Aaron Finch is in form next season, he's, he, he was below his usual best. And Sean Marsh missed some games as well this season. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mind you, Sean Marsh and uh, Aaron Finch are more senior players, so you'd expect them to be uh, leading the way, I guess. They need them, don't they? They, do, they, yeah. do, need, they yep. do need them in and in form. But I, I, I think... The Renegades will improve next season, right. and and I'm I'm very comfortable with where they're sitting. So I, I don't think they've underachieved. I think they've finished roughly where I thought yeah. thought they would. Maybe a little bit below in terms of matches that won. That is that is the most positive, nicest evaluation of a wooden spurner in any sport I've ever heard of. <laughs> that, is, that is so good. That is so, that is so you, Matt Ellis. Nice and positive. Uh, but you know what? I have to agree with you. I think there's a lot of upsides. Imagine that that talent that you mentioned starts improving, get a few back from injury, and then you get Finchy and Marsh for the top order doing their stuff. Yeah, they will very quickly go back into that top top five. So, yep, I that's a, I agree with that, Matt. Thank you. Well said. And the Hurricanes now Fraser Middleton from Ooh. Glasgow, one of our regular listeners over there. He was on the great train, said Glasgow. But we, we we've seen some social media posts where he's. Looking for <laughs> looking for a ticket on another trainer, uh, Dylan. I think Dylan posted something there on Twitter of a Fraser jumping off the cane train. That's quite yeah, a that was cruel. That was cruel. <laughs> but Too um, soon, Dylan. Too soon. <laughs> but the Hurricanes now. I think again, like when we were doing our our preseason preview, Robbie, neither of yeah. us had the Hurricanes in our top five. We had them. We had them just missing, and yes. And had they the, – the top five was an absolute log jam as it was. So if they win one of those games that they lose by one or two runs or if they pick up the bash boost point uh, as an example against the Sixers when they play the Sixers in round one, they're, yeah. they're in the finals. And we're not, yeah. we're, we're not talking about crisis um, or panic stations, so to speak, for the Hurricanes. So I, I think as well – if you have Matthew Wade more regularly in that team throughout the season, he was obviously out playing for Australia in the in the Test match period. There, you you have a look at Wade, Short, McDermott, and if the, I don't know, I don't know what Milan's status will be 
going forward and then some power hitting from the Bradbury wielding Tim David. Um, yep. And not to mention the aftermatch Cadbury chocolates. Um, have we mentioned – I have not received have? any Cab- I, I've not received not any Cadbury chocolates in the mail yet. Uh, but if not you are yet. listening in at the Cadbury factory – 101R Bungle Gumby Road is the address, Borough Bedeen, 2830. Um, so I, I think maybe there's a... Maybe for Easter. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe in time for Easter. Uh, I, I think the Hurricanes are about par, but if they finish outside the top five next year, that's when I would start to have, have some real concerns. Speaking, oh, speaking of yeah. real concerns... Mm. This has been talked about ad nauseum. Um, the commentators, everyone on the street, uh, people want to know how does the best squad on paper for the last decade miss the finals? The Melbourne Stars. I, I had them in my, I had them as potential top two finish when I was doing yep. my preseason uh, analysis of the squads. And I love a lot of the players that are there as well, so that might have sort of flavoured my predictions. But the the big question everyone is asking is what – and we've, we've had this question on Matt's mailbag previously from some loyal listeners in the Central West where they've sort of said, well, what's gone wrong with the Stars? And I, I, I kind of thought, oh – well, it's a bit early to say they're out of the running this season. I, I was expecting them to finish in the finals and that everything would be rosy again. But w- what do we do? What do we do? If, we're a, if you're a Melbourne Stars fan, are you comfortable with the fact that they've been consistently making finals? Only only 20% of, of the tournaments they've missed finals. So you'd take an 80%. Yeah. W- would you take that with no titles? An 80% oh, success absolutely. rate? Absolutely. You have to, Matt. I, I feel, look, look, with the Melbourne Stars, yes, they'd be very disappointed. And first of all, on a positive side, I'd say that they are probably one of the most entertaining teams to watch because any team that's got Glenn Maxwell, Marcus Stoinis, Adam Zampa, yeah. you're going to see sorts of, And not only but some of the brilliant fielding they do. Okay, that's the upside to it. They have been very successful because I think they played off in three of the finals. Yeah. Played in eight out of the ten. Um, and it, they are a little bit hit and miss because of the nature of the beast they've got in, in the side. But Matt, my biggest concern for the Stars was the misread they had of that of those first 10 overs mm. in the big game against uh, Sydney Sixers. So, you know, that's that's one for me. I, I, Maxie just had to bat. Didn't he? he had to bat in that top. He had to open the bat. Um, you know, we, 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 we can go on about that. A uh, bit of a misread there from them. But... Um, yeah, you know, I, they, I think, I, I just think, I'm not sure whether David Hutty um, gets an, actually on game day gets the opportunity to sort of stamp his um, sort of coaching style upon them. I think tactically sometimes they've missed the boat. Yeah, uh, okay. And that can be when they, when they use the, you know, their extra two overs, uh, things like that. So, but in a very tight jammed, competition. It went to the wire. It went down to the last 10 overs for the whole season. Um, someone's got to miss out, Matt, and it just happened to be the Melbourne Stars, but Cricket Victoria would be disappointed that both their sides did miss the boat, you know, finishing 7th and 8th. Is, is if you, is, were, a, yeah. Yeah. If you that, were a renegade fan and you just heard Matt 
Ellis's um, appraisal this season, you might think they are just about to play off in a final because we're pretty <laughs> positive. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I just wonder. I wonder what needs to happen for the stars. They they had Stephen Fleming uh, coach early years. Uh, Shippard, who's doing a magnificent job at the Sydney Sixers. He had some time there coaching as well. He's a very accomplished coach. And Maybe get him back. Well, let's not forget, though, too, David Hussey took them to the grand final yeah. Yeah. just last season. So I don't know... I, I don't know what they need to do. Nick Larkin, I thought, was excellent batting at number three. Um, Adam Zampa with the ball blew some games open. Uh, so they've got genuine match winners in their team. And unfortunately for them, this season just hasn't gone the way. They they did have a washout as well. I don't know if you, if you throw that yeah. into the mix maybe. But uh, something something needs to, to happen. For them to, is it a is it a mental barrier? I I don't think it's a skills based thing. I think their skills are they've got some of the best cricketers on the face of the earth playing in that team. Yeah, yeah, they didn't do much wrong the other night in the game against six. They very nearly won the game. You know, went down to the last ball, the second last ball. But again, they missed the boat in that first ten overs, and that that was a, that was a tactical uh, decision that went wrong. They did much more urgency about that, so. But um, yeah, but Matty, it all. It, it, I think it's a, enough time uh, in the chatting about who's not there. It's going to be all for the five teams left in it. It's going to be a brilliant week of cricket. I, I just can't wait. I've, I've loved the BBL this year. I think it's been absolutely brilliant. The only time it might have wavered a little bit was when the when the test matches yeah. were on. Because how good was the test series? The cricket. You go back to the WBBL, the test series, and now the BBL. In a COVID environment, oh. well done, everyone. It's been done so well. Credit to everyone involved. And um, I think it's a massive pat on the back just to get it done. We are so fortunate here in Australia to be able to, um, you know, still go and watch a bit of live sport and, and have it played. So well done. I, I, it, it, it's a great achievement. And can we can we say a massive thanks to all the players, support staff, uh, staff members that work at venues, to, to make it all happen. Um, yep, lots, you can. Lo- lots, of, lots of players making a tremendous amount of sacrifice so that we have the privilege of turning on our televisions and enjoying Big Bash every night of the week during the summer. The same yeah. for the, the, the WBBL, the sacrifice from the players to, to spend that amount of time in the hub uh, and the test players as well, time away <laughs> from loved ones, time away from people that they care about, particularly around that... Um, at Christmas yeah. Christmas time for the the Test and Big Bash players, um, hats off to them. We thank you immensely for your contributions to our happiness. Really, it's it's something that yeah, uh, that's a good way uh, to put it for us as us as cricket lovers. Um, uh, it's it's something that that I'm extremely grateful for. Now, Robbie, if people want to get in touch with us, uh, the mailbag is always open. One hundred one R Bungle Gumby Road. Burrabadeen. We just ask that you just put put your question on a postcard. That usually makes it nice and short and sharp and succinct. Yeah, uh, gives you enough time to leave a little compliment if you want to, uh, like <laughs> Bill from Hornsby's done there. Thank you, Bill. Yeah. And, and we like to send out a little pack of thank you uh, to to those that do send us a message. Uh, good luck to 
all those playing in the Big Bash finals and, of course, to the WNCL players getting ready to commence their season. A massive thanks to Angela Reeks for joining us this week. A massive thanks to you, Robbie McKinlay, for sitting in the hot seat once again. Uh, this has been Matt Ellis and Robbie McKinlay for the Cricket Library Weekly. Bye for now. <laughs>